Let's continue our series on belonging and the righteousness of God uh, in Jesus Christ. You know, the church for so long has really taught um, unbelief and taught a lack of faith uh, and taught, you know, that uh, one day when we all get to heaven, oh, what a glory it will be. Uh, you know, I could probably sing a song, but I'm not going to. Because uh, why would I want you to hear songs that, you know, are not like reality? But um, for so long, the church in general has just taught this. And so the church, in, in some ways you could say a, a church, the church in general has taught a lack of faith. In other words, has taught like, well, you don't really, you know, if you were as righteous as uh, Elijah was, or if you were as righteous, uh, righteous as Paul was, or surely if you were as righteous as Jesus was, then you'd get results. But you just have not arrived there yet. So you're a baby Christian. So as you grow, once you grow further, then you'll actually get results. But when we look at the word of God, we actually see that whoever came to Jesus believing received and I think, first of all, of the woman with the issue of blood. When she heard of Jesus, she came in the press behind, uh, Mark 5, 25, uh, for she said, if I may touch but his clothes, I shall be whole. Well, and you can read it in, uh, in the other gospel as well, and you'll find, like, there's no evidence that she, like, meditated on hearing about Jesus for a really long period of time and said, when she heard of Jesus, she came in the press behind. And then, you know, I could go uh, Bible example after Bible example after Bible example, and we could look and see that it's as difficult to receive from God as it is to believe, and it appears that it's pretty easy to believe. Does that make sense? Is that kind of a compl complicated way to say it? Uh, I love uh, Smith Wigglesworth. He has a book called only believe. Fear not, only believe. And um, of course, that's what, what Jesus said. And uh, when we just simply come with what Jesus taught us to come with, which is a childlike faith, which is just a real simple faith. Like, if you jump off of here, Joel, I'll catch you. Okay, daddy. You know, and I, like I said before, I've missed one time and maybe, maybe twice. And I, so I'm fallible. He's not. Um, but when we come to God with that childlike faith, it really enables him to move and enables him to answer. And um, when we come with our own faith, with our own ability, with our, uh, the ability that we have to be righteous, in other words, the ability that we have to stay full of the Holy Ghost and to stay in the Word of God and to do all, all of these uh, things that we might put on a checkmark list that we need to do every day, uh, we kind of slip into self-righteousness rather than Jesus Christ righteousness. In other words, a righteousness that we produce on our own. And I don't know about you, uh, most of you, but I know about me, and I don't know the, those of you that I do know about uh, more, I don't know this, and that is, you know, my own life, that's something that is real easy to slip into and not really be conscious that you're slipping into it. That you're kind of like, uh, you know, you have this thinking that's existing in your, uh, in your mind of, uh, I don't measure up because I could be doing more.
spiritually speaking, you know. And um, maybe you're praying an awful lot. Maybe you're reading the Word of God an awful lot. And, uh, you know, my question is, uh, for you and for myself always, is, okay, how much prayer is enough prayer? How much reading the God, Word of God is enough reading of the Word of God? You know, and we're not saying, like, don't read the Word of God, don't pray, obviously, in order to uh, live the life of Christ. And really, in order to fellowship with God, you have to be in the Word. The only way that we can have a successful prayer life is through the Word of God, based on the Word of God. In fact, the more of the Word of God that you have in your heart, not in your head, but in your heart, Man, when you start interpreting your own prayers, when you start prophesying, you will find that you have the most fluent vocabulary, and it's amazing the things the Lord says. Like, where did that come from? Because it's been uh, deposited into your heart. Uh, But the devil really endeavors to get you and me and all of us on um, the thinking that you haven't done enough. You know, I was a part of a denomination, and uh, two different denominations, and uh, the second denomination I was part of, they had this predominant thinking, and it was especially among the men, but maybe that's because I was around and talked to more of the men than the ladies, you know, But because um, I was in with some men's groups and stuff. But um, the prominent thinking there was that I must have some unconfessed sin in my life, and that's what's holding me back. And so you'd see these groups of men that love the Lord, and would do like anything uh, for the Lord, but were just like stopped in their tracks because there was this unconfessed sin and none of all of us sin so much that nobody could possibly know every sin that you've ever done. So even if you could think of everything, you surely miss some because you sin so much you don't even know. And so the thinking was, this type of thinking that I'm talking about, like that the church has taught for so long, a weakness, a failure, an inability, uh, well... You know, yeah, I know you confess the stuff that you, that you thought of, but, you know, th- there's other stuff, and, you know, that's holding you back because you're so, you're so imperfect. That's not New Testament faith. That's not the Word of God uh, in, in its wholeness. And so the Word of God actually says that we are in Christed. And the words in Christ are a technical term in the Greek, and really you can't separate those words. They have to go together. Because it's actually a transaction that happens when we become born again and become part of God's family that we become in Christed. In other words, we become connected to Christ. And so then you can find, you know, the scriptures that talk about being in Christ, in whom, in the beloved. There's like 134 of them, depending on how you count and which ones you count. And you'll find that as you meditate in those scriptures... You know, that we are the righteousness of God in Christ is one of our main scriptures for this series. As you meditate in, think on those scriptures, allow those scriptures to have a place in your heart. You could almost say a foothold. You know, a foothold, you normally think of the devil, but you want them to have a place in your heart. As they have a place in your heart, then it, you know, out of the abundance of the heart, the mouth, what? Speaks. So sometimes we're like trying to find all this stuff. Okay, what am I supposed to speak? What am I supposed to say? What am I supposed to do? All this stuff. You know, that's a whole lot of work. But when you get something in your heart, it just comes out. And you're not working at it. And it's there. And, um, you know, it comes from the Lord. The whole book of Romans is really about God restoring righteousness to us 
by faith. Like that sums up the book of Romans. He's like, I want you to be righteous. I want, you know, I want, uh, want you to have this. Um, Romans chapter five, verse 17. Romans chapter five, verse 17. Familiar passage of scripture. For if by one man's offense, death reigned by one, much more they which receive abundance of grace. That's us. And the gift of righteousness, that's us, shall what? Shall reign in life by the one, Jesus Christ. Well, um, you realize, for if by one man's offense, death reigned. Of course, that's Adam. By Adam's offense, Adam's sin, death reigned. Death came. Remember God said, in the day that you eat of that, you'll surely die. Uh, And he died spiritually. They died spiritually. Uh, by one, much more. So if this happened through Adam, who was not perfect, obviously, um, much more they which receive the abundance of grace and the gift of righteousness. So you realize there is abundant grace available to us, bought for us, purchased for us, um, righteousness bought for us, purchased for us, but we have to receive it, right? So it's there, but we have to receive it. I love the illustration where uh, you may have uh, a relative, and maybe you have a relative, that will leave you a million dollars in the bank. Um, And so you can have a million dollars and live in poverty, but you have a million dollars. You have to go receive it, get it out of the bank, put it into circulation. Otherwise, it doesn't do any good for you. Um, And so uh, we which have received the abundance of grace and the gift of righteousness shall reign in life by the one Jesus Christ. So you can look a lot of times and say, well, like if, if the Bible's really true, and if this is true for believers, how come every Christian is not reigning in life? Because I know a lot of Christians that are not reigning in life. You know, you're probably familiar with a lot of people that are Christian that are not reigning in life. They're actually being dominated in life. And, uh, you know, the most frustrated people almost in life that you'll find are Christians that aren't living like it. Because they have something on the insides changed. They're a new creation. Old things have passed away. All things have become new. They're trying to use the same flesh body and live the same way they used to. And now they're not satisfied with that anymore. They're actually grieved by it. And so then you find that they get frustrated because they're still trying to flesh out, so to speak, and, um, or reason things out. And uh, their spirit can't come in line with that. You know, because your spirit becomes one with the Holy Spirit. So if by one man's offense, death reigned by one, much more they which receive abundance of grace and the gift of righteousness shall reign in life by Jesus Christ. So you see, in order for us to rule and reign in life, in order order for us to come to the top in life, we have to receive righteousness. We have to receive the abundance of grace. But we don't receive it through our works or through our action. Of course, that's what Romans is all about. That we have faith in Jesus Christ and then we become righteous through that. And that's not a time uh, produced process. It doesn't come through, um, you know, like they'll say like, well, I got a lot of wisdom because I've been alive for so many years. That's not how righteousness comes. That's not how grace comes. It's a gift. It's actually part of the package when we are born again, when you're born a second time, which is born from above, righteousness is part of who you are. It is what you are. You are the righteousness of God in Christ. Because when you're born again, 
You're born in Christ. So we want to uh, come with uh, a childlike faith. Mark eleven twenty two says, have faith in God, or have the faith of God, or uh, I love the translation that says, lay hold on God's faithfulness. And um, lay hold on God's faithfulness. Well, you can look at that scripture uh, so many ways. Evie and I just came back from California, and... Um, we drove through a lot of mountains. Okay, we drove back from California, I should clarify. Uh, we came back over four days. And um, so uh, in California first, we went up and saw a sequoia tree or something like that because we wanted to do something. I'd never seen those, and of course, Evie hadn't. And so that's the one venture off the road that we took because uh, we were already delayed that day. And then the rest we just drove, but we drove for like, I don't know what it was probably almost 20 hours through the mountains, through the Rocky Mountains. And, uh, you know, we drove through mountains in California and then mountains in Nevada and Arizona and Utah and Colorado. And then we finally got to the plains. So I was trying to give updates, post some pictures on Facebook, but in the mountains, there's not hardly any cell phone reception. And, uh, you know, and plus I was pretty tired at night, so I didn't take a lot of time to get on Facebook at the hotel. Uh, but anyhow, we went up through the mountains, and uh, there was a professor at Baylor University. He, he kind of coined this, and I think it's so true. You know, when you climb up a mountain and you look out one side, you've got one view, and you can see, like, another mountain. And over here, you may look and just see a valley, this lush green valley. And over here, you see, like, I was showing Evie, like, the tundra where the trees stop, and then it's just nothing up there just rock and nothingness because uh, there was some snow in some places in Colorado, but in this particular area uh, by Vail, uh, it was just tundra. And so normally they're white capped, you know, for so much of the year because it's melting off and stuff and it's just tundra. But if you and I climbed up that same mountain and each didn't look at the other person's side and just wrote what we saw, we would describe completely different views. And so uh, many times the word of God is that way where we'll look and we'll say, well, this is how it is. But, you know, that's so limited because there is no end to the depth of the word of God. And I'm so glad there's not because not only in this life, but forever, the word will never pass away. And I believe we will forever be amazed at the riches of the wisdom and the life of God in the word of God. And uh, the, word, uh, the word really is a thrill. So have faith in God or lay hold on God's faithfulness. Jesus is, of course, saying this after he cursed the fig tree and the disciples are amazed by that. And Jesus said, lay hold on God's faithfulness. Jesus didn't say, lay hold on your faithfulness to God. Jesus said, lay hold on God's faithfulness. In other words, have faith in God or have the God kind of faith. But he's really saying possess. If you look it up in the Greek, it's like have, hold, possess, make it your own. So you have to like lay hold on God's faithfulness. So when you're thinking of uh, being righteous, you probably think these thoughts, even if you don't let them stay a long time, well, yeah, but I don't measure up quite here or I don't measure up quite there. Or, yeah, but I, I know myself. And maybe those aren't conscious, clear thoughts that you have, but there's a tendency to hold back because you're too familiar with yourself. 
It's not really good to be familiar with people, especially yourself, because you're going to be like, well, you limit yourself that way because you won't even believe for anything else or hope for anything else or move in any other direction because you're more familiar with yourself than you are with the God of the impossible. With God, all things are possible. That means all things are possible. So if it's a thing, it's possible. Now, I just heard a testimony just yesterday, um, uh, or watched a testimony on YouTube yesterday, and it was an amazing testimony. Love this testimony. This lady uh, was in a church service, and um, uh, she went up and uh, got a fresh infilling of the Holy Spirit. Now, she works at a school, and her job at the school is she helps special needs children with behavior problems, okay? So they had been working with this girl for so long and no results. She just kept acting up, acting up, acting up, and um, couldn't do anything with her. Man, she got full of the Holy Ghost, and that week the Holy Ghost that was on her got off on this little girl, and that little girl changed like that. And so we sometimes think like, well, this is just how it is. This is how it's going to be. But it doesn't have to be that way. Because, see, when we go someplace, we really cause ripples in the water. You know, I remember um, Brother Hagin told us he would go into cities at different times, and he went to this one particular city, and when he went into the city, uh, uh, the devil ended up speaking to him and said, I saw you when you came into town. I saw you drove in on such and such a road, and then you turned on such and such a road, and then you went here and you did that. I mean, when you're a believer and you show up, the devil knows it. And if you know your authority, the devil's scared. If you don't know your authority, you know, he just is, you know, going to do the same thing to you that he wants to do to every human being, which is steal, kill, and destroy. Um, But you don't have to let him do that because we have authority over him and he has no right to your stuff or to your body or to your family or to what you have because you are the righteousness of God in Christ because you have been made right with God. So you're actually under the covering protection of almighty God. And you can read Psalm 91, you know, you're in his wing, you're under his protection and the evil one cannot harm you. So lay hold on God's faithfulness. I love that scripture. Of course, that's our theme scripture for the whole church. Um, So you know you're going to hear it pretty often. But lay hold on God's faithfulness. Not Pastor Tim's faithfulness. Not your own faithfulness. Not Brother Hagin's faithfulness. Not, uh, you know, whoever else's faithfulness. Not Paul's faithfulness. Lay hold on God's faithfulness. And when you lay hold on God's faithfulness, you realize God never fails. He cannot fail. So if you're laying hold on some other kind of faith, someone else's faith, someone else's faithfulness, uh, you're in an insecure situation. But when you lay hold on God's faithfulness, that is steady, that is secure, it will not break, it will not bend, it will not, you know, falter. Uh, The faithfulness of God cannot fail. So Jesus said, you want to see results like this in your life? You lay hold on God's faithfulness. Because as you lay hold on God's faithfulness, you will have success. And when you speak to something, it'll happen. When you command the mountain to be removed, it'll be removed. 
And when you curse the tree, the tree will be cursed, withered, and die. So lay hold on God's faithfulness. And one of the easiest or best ways, I should say, to lay hold on the faithfulness of God is to become conscious of your standing with God. That we're not just serving God as Christians, but he's brought us close to him. He's brought us into his family. And you really should use your spiritual imagination and see that. Because, you know, the devil tries to uh, steal your imagination. A new age tries to steal your imagination. The devil wants to plan all these thoughts and all these type of things. Um, but really, you can use your spiritual imagination your ima- and even your natural imagination for spiritual things. And you see yourself in the family of God. So what's it look like? Imagine if you have children or you don't have children, adopting another child into your family. What does that look like? What are your thoughts as a natural mother or father? How are you going to treat that child? What are you going to do for that child? How are you going to relate to that child? How are you going to think about that child? Are you going to provide for that child? Are you going to protect that child? Are you going to give that child every benefit that's in your power and ability to give that child? Now think about God's ability and God's love and God's perfection. And that's what he does with us when we come into his family. He gives us the ability to stand in his presence, to be with him without a sense of um, that we don't belong, without a sense of being too weak or being unable or uh, being an outcast or like we don't belong. No, he gives us that we walk in as a child would to a father. As a child would to a perfect father, to a heavenly father. And he invites us all to come in, and that is righteousness. And he wants us to be aware of that and so conscious of that that it affects how we act, what we say, what we do, where we go, where we don't go. Because God is my father. And so then what happens is you actually stop competing and you actually stop striving and you enter into rest because what? Every single one of you, every single person that's listening, we are all equal standing with the Father. We're all the most special person in the world to the Father. And he wants us with him and he has everything for us and he sees us with all of his abilities. He sees us fully successful, fully yielded, fully giving everything that he has given to us. He sees us, uh, really, he sees us in Christ Jesus. And so as we start to see ourselves the way that he sees us, then we're not focusing on where we've messed up but we're focusing on the blood of Jesus because even when the devil tries to say, yeah, but look at you, look at this, I show you this, I just like to say, you know what? You're right, but the blood of Jesus is so much more powerful than that 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 thing doesn't even exist anymore. In fact, the only place that exists is in the evil recesses of your mind, if he even has a mind. It's a mindless punk, right? So stand with me if you would. Heavenly Father, we thank you for...
your word. And Father, we thank you that you have brought us into your family, into close, personal, loving relationship with, uh, with yourself. Father, that you love us so much that you share with us special, intimate, personal things. Father, that you even show us things that are coming, that, you, that we wouldn't be caught off guard, but you'll show us exactly what we need to see, that you, when we pray, that you give us words to pray, that we don't even have to come up with words on our own, Father, but we can yield to your spirit and you give us words to speak, utterances to speak forth and to speak out. Father, I thank you for your plan, that you plan for us to be close to you and close to you, not in a shrinking way, Father, but in an embracing way, that we could come with open arms because you have arms open to us, Father, and draw near to you. Father, we thank you for loving us. We thank you for sending Jesus to pay the price for us. We thank you for the blood of Jesus. We count the blood of Jesus a special and a holy and a, a peculiar thing. And we honor the blood of Jesus. We thank you that that blood has brought us near to you, that we've been brought near to you by his precious, precious blood. We thank you for it in Jesus' name. Amen.